Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. It's because we didn't want to do any, it wasn't our story to tell. And we didn't want to, uh, to overstep. But uh, a few days ago, my daughter actually began to share on Facebook some of the things that she's gone through. So she's put it out there in public, then, then we'll go ahead and talk about it now. But, um, you know, the, the thing of it is, we've got, um, we, we've been saying for a long time that, uh, you know, we have five grandchildren. When the truth of the matter is, we've got seven grandchildren. You said, well, why, why do you say that? Why? Well, the reason I said five is because we have five living grandchildren. We have five here on this earth, but we have two that are in heaven. And uh, you know, the, when I said that I had some difficult things to share, the, this is the difficult part. You know, that the, the fact from now on, you're going to hear me saying I've got seven grandchildren. Um, because that, that's what I really, you know, is in my heart, that, uh, um, you know, we've, we've got seven. We've got Brooklyn and Connor here in Carlsbad. We've got Caden, Keegan, and TJ in Washington. And then we have uh, cheese balls and jelly bean in heaven. And you say, well, why cheese balls and jelly bean? Well, that's the names that they were given before they went to heaven and because they, they didn't make it to, to being born into this world. But I'm looking forward to cheese balls and jelly bean. Praise God. And so um, my daughter wrote this, and I want to just share this with you. She wrote this and, and posted it on her Facebook page. When, at, right at, the, at, the, at that time when she was uh, dealing with, with all of this, and well, she's still dealing with it. In fact, I ask you to, to lift them up in prayer and our whole family in prayer. Uh, you know, just because, just because they weren't born doesn't make it any less real. Doesn't make it any less real that we lost to. And uh, so, anyway, she wrote this. She said, two nights ago, I found myself on the couch watching Tangled when the most handsome little man snuggled up next to me and wrapped his hand, dirty, sticky, little baby hand around mine. 
felt like peace. These last two years have been a struggle for me as a mom. And I have been learning how to navigate teen years. Their oldest is a teenager now. I've been learning how to navigate teen years, figuring out an entirely new way to parent a child with autism and trying to teach a strong-willed preschooler healing after losing one pregnancy last year and feeling like I am defective after losing another pregnancy a couple of weeks ago. But this moment, this one moment of peace in the chaos banished the noise for a blissful five minutes. And I was just mom to a sweet baby man who needed to hold mama's hand. Through the stillness, God reminded me who he is and who he made me to be. He gently reminded me that I was never meant to be mom on my own. Just as that grubby hand held tightly to mine, God was waiting for my tear-stained and trembling hand to reach for his, for his sturdy one. He didn't forget me. He is always faithful, and in the midst of the storm, he has never left me alone. He goes before me to guide me. He shields and defends me from all sides. There are many things in this mom's life that don't make sense. And as I sit here drawing every ounce of grace I could from that stained hand, I was struck by the realization that I don't have to show or don't have to know all the answers. Raising up humans is one of the most difficult, harrowing journeys that we can embark on. The overwhelming joys and the agonizing heartache. The, breaking, the breathtaking triumphs and the devastating failures. All of the tiny, gigantic moments that grow into successful and fulfilled adult lives also serve to bolster the character and invigorating the spirit of those of us entrusted with them. Momming itself requires quiet and sometimes not so quiet strength. One that for me is only found in Jesus. Because full of failure full-on failure, excuse me, because full-on failure is not an option. Because hope for the future demands that I bring my A-game. Because no matter what circumstances around me, there are little hands clinging to mine, so I must hold fast to the one who incessantly reaches for me. So to the mama who is missing sleep due to a colicky baby, 
to the mama wiping baby butts and cleaning crayon off the walls, to the mama going toe-to-toe with her baby's school teacher, school principal, to the mama handing her baby the car keys for the first time, to the mama praying that her baby will come home safe, to the mama sharing advice with her grown baby, to the mama whose baby is in heaven, to the mama who looks after the spirit and souls of other people's babies but has none of her own, to the mama raising babies not from her body, to the mama who has selflessly gave her baby to a new mama, to the mama who carried her baby in her body but never got to hold her hold never got to hold him in her arms to the mama who holds a dream of a baby in her heart no matter what your season remember that you're not alone psalm 139:10 says it this way wherever i go your hand will guide me your strength will empower me Take hold of his hand and refuse to let go. You can do this. And she wrote this for Mother's Day. She says, Happy Mother's Day. Well, I share that today to let you know and and to say, just because we profess the name of Jesus, Just because we stand on a platform, just because we preach the gospel, just because we lead worship, doesn't mean that we don't have any problems. But see, we know how to deal with problems. And and I, I say that to say that when we preach the things we preach, it's not that we have, that, that, we haven't ever experienced the things you're experiencing. In fact, we preach these things from a place of experience. We preach the faithfulness of God from the place of people who have experienced the faithfulness of God. We preach the goodness of God from a place of people who have experienced the goodness of God. But we Preach this from a place of people who have experienced the strength of God when things are falling apart. We, we preach this from a place of people that the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And so Jesus himself i remember this that the scripture says it's the shortest verse in the bible says jesus wept but why did jesus weep well jesus wept when his cousin john the baptist was beheaded see jesus experienced heartache heartbreak too 
He came and he identified. He faced all of the things that we face. The Bible says, yet without sin. And, 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 and when the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, that, that doesn't just mean being tempted to sin. You see, Jesus was tempted to sin, but without sin. Jesus was also tempted to give up. That's why the Bible says that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. You know, Jesus, some people say Joseph was his earthly father. Joseph wasn't his father at all. Joseph was present to help raise him. But somewhere along the line, between the time Joseph or between the time Jesus was twelve years old, that's the that's the last time we see Joseph in in the picture in his life. When Jesus went to the cross, his mother Mary was there. We have no record of what happened to Joseph. But somewhere along the line, this man who raised Jesus. He's, he's gone from the picture. And we don't know what happened. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've got to say that most likely Joseph died. Um, but we see that in, in Jesus' life. That Jesus experienced all of the difficulties that we experience, yet he did so without sin is what the Bible says. And so um, the Apostle Paul dealt with this in Romans, the eighth chapter. You see, and I'm sharing this with you today because, you know, this, this is not a um, jump up and down and shout hallelujah kind of sermon, but this is a this, this is something that the Spirit of God has put on my heart to touch you, your heart very deeply. Down in the places where you hurt. Down in the places where, where you struggle. And, you know, a lot of times we think a good shout solves all the problems. But it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, the place where the problems are dealt with is in that secret place between you and the Lord. Praise God. You see, I can honestly say this, that in difficult times, you know, in, in times when, when we've been challenged, the fact is we made some decisions and we decided we were going to follow Jesus. When we decided to follow Jesus, there wasn't a contingency attached to that. We're going to follow Jesus. And, you know, we believe that God in Christ has, has dealt with all of the issues that affect us. Now, 
was it the will of God for us to lose two babies? No, it was not the will of God, but it happened. We don't deal with things the way they should be. We deal with things the way they are. And we, we have to learn that. And I can honestly say that a number of years ago, we lost a house. We've lost parents. I've lost both of my parents. My wife has lost one of her parents. We've dealt with the things that you've dealt with. But never in all of that did we ever consider. It, it, it was not a consideration to quit on God. And I said to you a, f- a, a few weeks ago, I said, you've got to make a decision that God is good and God is right. God's good and God's right. Praise God. And so when you've settled those two issues, then you don't have to deal with a case-by-case basis of are we going to quit on God? Are we going to give up? Are we going to go back on God? Are we going to, you know, you don't have to deal with that on a case-by-case basis. You know, When Jason was born, he spent the first six weeks of his life in the neonatal center, the the infant intensive care center. We were just learning this stuff back in those days. We were just beginning to learn this stuff. But we have made a decision, even back then, even in light of the fact that we didn't know a whole lot, we had already made the decision, we're not quitting on God. And today, he's with us. Today, he's healthy, to, you know. And, and we give all glory to Jesus for that. Praise God. Even though we didn't know what we were doing. Yet, Jesus saw us through. He brought us through that. Praise God. When Jason was just a year old, we lost my brother and my nephew in an accident. See, I'm saying this not to glorify what the devil stole. But I'm saying this to, to say that God will sustain you in whatever, and I'm not preaching this, I want you to understand that I'm not preaching this from the position of somebody who's never been through anything. I'm preaching this from a position of someone who has been through something, and we've been, when I say through, I mean through it. That means we came out the other side. Praise God. And if you will if you will hold on to, as Courtney said, to the strong hand, if you'll hold on to the strong hand, you'll go through it, not just into it and stay there. I, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, well, I'm just dealing with some things. The truth of the matter is they're not dealing with some things. 
There's some things, but they're not dealing with them. And, you know, I'm just going through some things. The truth of the matter is, they're not going through. They're just stuck in the middle of it and won't go through it because they won't hold on to Jesus' hand. And so we're dealing with some, some raw things today and laying bare some things. And I wanted to, to, to say, you know, I'm just not just preaching something to you that I haven't proved works. Praise God. The Apostle Paul dealt with this in Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. In fact, I encourage you this week, spend some time, significant time, in Romans, the 8th chapter. And I, I began to see this chapter in a whole new light uh, over the last few weeks. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, we felt like for, for so long, and many, many still do, that if you're a believer, specifically if you're a preacher, that you can't let anybody know that you've got any trouble. You've got to hide it, you know. And I, I, I've seen ministers of the gospel that didn't make it because they, hit, they tried to hide everything. They tried to hide all the, all the problems. They tried to hide all the trouble. They tried to hide, hide everything. And, and you see, the, because they felt like that if they allowed anyone to see what really their life was like, that, that first of all, that that diminished them as a person, that that diminished them as a, as a minister, that that diminished them as a believer. But you see, I'm convinced that Paul wrote the eighth chapter of Romans just because he wanted you to know there is therefore now no condemnation. And when you have trouble in your life and you acknowledge that there has been trouble, now I'm not talking about you, you settle in and you're, you're content to just stay in that place of trouble. I, I, I am not content to stay in a place of trouble. Praise God. I am, whatever trouble comes my way, my plan is to come out the other side. Praise God. And it's to come out victorious. Praise God. And so, you know, there are times when you need somebody to hold you up. There are times when, uh, you know, there's a, there's a story of a little boy that was, uh, you know, he was, he was having bad dreams and, and waking up in the night and, and scared in the night. And uh, his mother went to him and she said, uh, she said, well, you know, Jesus will be with you. And he said, I know, Mama, but I needed Jesus with skin. 
And, you know, sometimes you need Jesus with skin. And, and the people around you, the people that, you know, this is the, this is the issue, this is the problem when you pull away from church and the body of Christ and the family of God that is, that is uh, around you. We don't have to talk about your problem all the time, but we just have to love on you. Praise God. And if you want to talk about the problems, then you can. But, you know, the people that are sitting around you today, you don't need to impress those people. You don't need to impress them. Because it is their job as fellow believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, it is their job to love you through, the Bible says, brethren, when you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So you can go through it tomorrow. Somebody else might be going through it today, but we can't condemn because you might be going through it tomorrow. Praise God. And the fact of the matter is we've got to help one another go through it. Praise God. Not to get stuck in the middle. But that becomes impossible. I had someone not too long ago ask me, Pastor, I want you to hold me accountable. But the person who asked me that refuses to be accountable. So, you know, if, if you're going to say, hold me accountable, if you're going to say, help me, then you've got to acknowledge that, that, there's some, that you need some help. You, you've got to allow that person to speak into your life. You've got to allow that person to, to bring correction when you need to be corrected. You've got to allow that person to know, how can I help you? If you want help, then you've got to be willing to be helped. So there's both sides of that thing. You need to be willing to help, but you also need to be willing to be helped. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Don't be condemned because you need some help. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation to those who don't live out every detail of the Christian life that God has promised in His Word. Well, you shouldn't have, you, you, you failed in this area. You shouldn't have failed. If you just had faith, you know, if you just trusted God, if you then you wouldn't have. Let's, let's don't throw that stuff around. That is life-destroying stuff right there. But it's just the truth. It might be the truth, but it also is destructive if we just throw stuff like that around. Praise God. Praise God. Now, he goes on, you know, Paul said this, Romans 8, if we jump down to verse number 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, what did he mean about being in the flesh? 
verse number nine, he says, but, if, but you are not in the flesh. But you are not in the flesh. Now, Paul said that to encourage you. He says, there, are ne- there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in, in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then he says there that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But then he comes back with these words, but you are not in the flesh. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Then he says, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, or the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if you are in Christ Jesus, you are not in the flesh. He said, you, if you're in the flesh, you can't please God. But you're not in the flesh. Praise God. You know, we, we need to get... We need to pay attention to little stuff like that. Don't just stop with that. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay, I guess I can't please God. You need to read the next verse. But you are not in the flesh. Praise God. Praise God. I am glad I am not in the flesh. Because the Spirit of Christ dwells in me. Hallelujah. And because the Spirit of Christ dwells in me, I will overcome. Praise God. Now, verse, let's back up to verse number 2. We read verse number 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, and then verse 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So what's the law of sin and death? The law of sin and death is you sin, you die. But you say, well, okay, what's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? The spirit of life in Christ Jesus is I sinned, he died. Praise God. Do you get that? See, I'm not under that I sin, I died. I'm under the I sin, he died. Praise God. The penalty of death has been paid in full. Praise God. Praise God. So therefore, I don't have to die just because I missed it, just because I failed, just because I came short of the glory of God. I don't have to die because he already did. Praise God. This is why Paul told the Romans in chapter 10, verses nine and, uh, verse 8, I believe it is. It says that uh, don't say in your heart, faith doesn't say who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above. Why do you say that? Because he already came down from above. Who will descend into the abyss, there, there, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? He said, don't say that because he already came up from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse number 3, he goes on and he says this. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, he already said you're not in the flesh. He said what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, 
God did. What the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh. See, he knows the flesh. And he knows the flesh is weak. He says what the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh, God did. What I couldn't do because of the weakness of my flesh, because the inability of my flesh to measure up, because the inability of my flesh to, to meet God's standard, he says, I, you couldn't do it because your flesh was weak, he said, but God did it. Hallelujah. How did God do it? It says that he did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Now, this is a, this is a verse right here or a phrase right here. He says, he condemned sin in the flesh. So we'll see there, I'm condemned because, you know, I have sin in my flesh. I was in the flesh and I sinned, so he condemns me. No, back up. Verse number one is still true. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse three is still true. I am not in the flesh. But here's what, it, did, did Jesus condemn when someone sinned in the flesh? No, sin was condemned in the flesh, not my flesh, his flesh. He just got through saying what the law couldn't do because it was weak through the flesh. God did. Jesus was condemned on my behalf in his flesh. Jesus bore my sins. 1 Peter 2.24 says that that he bore my sin in his own body on the tree, that I, having died to sin, might live unto righteousness. Praise God. Praise God. So, sin was condemned in the flesh, but it wasn't my flesh, it was his flesh. He bore my sins in his own body. Praise God. And God condemned sin on his body. Condemned it to death on his body. Praise God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, Jesus became flesh, identified with my flesh, so that I could be identified with him according to the Spirit. Praise God. Romans 8, 4 says, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in those of us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
Praise God. Now, here's something we need to get a hold of. In verse 5, Romans 8, 5, says, For those who live according to the flesh, they do, they do something. What do they do? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Notice what he, he, he didn't say. Those who live according to the flesh live in sin. No, that's not what he said. He said those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. That's why they live according to the flesh, because they set their mind on the things of the flesh. Now, if we go back to Romans chapter 6, I want you to get this. Verse 16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which, was, uh, which you were delivered. Now, when he uses the word obeyed there, he says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you were that one's slaves whom you obey. Now, we've read that, and we thought, okay, so if I present my members to obey sin, then it leads to death. But here's what that word obey means. That word obey is the Greek word hupakoe, which means to give attentive hearkening to. To give attentive hearkening to. Didn't say, see, he's not saying the one that to whom you do. You know, you obey the temptation to sin. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to give attentive hearkening to? Now, here's what that means. If you give attentive hearkening to it, that is talking about self-effort. He's saying that if you present yourselves to give attentive hearkening to self-effort to the flesh, he says that then will dominate and control your life. And he says if you do that, you will end up doing you know, you, you will end up in, in sin. It, you will end up living according to the flesh. Why? Because self-effort, that, we could say it this way, it's flesh effort. 
It's flesh effort. Now, when I open God's Word, so you can read God's Word wrong. So what do you mean by that? If you read God's Word looking for the self-effort, if you read God's Word looking for yourself and your failures and your shortcomings, you see, you're reading God's Word wrong because the whole Bible is about Jesus and you're missing the point of the whole Bible when you're looking for you. The one to whom you give attentive, that you, that, that, that you give your attention and your focus on. You know, if you're giving your, your attention and your focus to flesh effort, then you are going to become a slave of the self-effort. You're going to become a slave of, of I can do this on my own. But see, when you give your attention and you read your Bible looking for Jesus, and you begin to see Jesus in the Bible, see, he says, whether of, of um, sin, yeah, you know, or of righteousness, which are you going to give your attention to? Are you going to give your attention to sin and self effort and flesh effort or are you going to give your attention to Jesus and what he has done praise God so when you read your Bible look for Jesus you can find you in there if you want to look for you you know yeah I mean if I want to focus on my self-effort and what my flesh can do, I will end up expending all of my efforts on trying to do better. And I will end up failing. But if I expend my efforts on entering into rest, praise God. See, that's what we're told to do. We're told to labor to enter into rest. That's, that's the only labor we're told to do. To labor to enter into his rest. Praise God. So I've got I've to look for Jesus in the Bible. I've got to look for that place of rest in the Bible. Praise God. And when I begin to look for the place of rest in the Bible... When I come up short and when I fail, which I will from time to time, you know, when, when, when I don't measure up to the standard, I'm at rest because Jesus did it for me. Praise God. So I'm at rest in Him. I'm at rest in His finished work. I'm at rest in what He has done for me. Praise God. And I am therefore to expend all of my attention towards entering into his rest praise God praise God and when you begin to enter into his rest there is therefore now 
no condemnation. Why? Because that's how you walk in the Spirit. That's how you live in the Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Paul said, you're not in the flesh. So quit trying to live like you're in the flesh. Quit trying to please God according to the flesh. Because you can't please God according to the flesh. You will always fail. But, you know, I'd like to say I always live according to the Spirit. Now, I'm not in the flesh. I am in the Spirit because Christ is in me. But I would like to say that I always live according to the Spirit. But sometimes I live according to the flesh. And if you want to be perfectly honest, you do too. But here's what you do. Every time you realize, the moment you realize, I'm falling back into self-effort. I'm falling back into living according to the flesh. I'm falling back into giving my attention to what I do rather than what he did. You immediately, you correct that. That's where you say, Lord, I, I, I repent or I change my mind. I, I, take, I, I get out of this self-effort mode and I choose to get back into the rest. You know, sometimes that's a, this is why the Apostle Paul said in one place, he said, I die daily. I die daily. What do he mean? He says, I put off the flesh daily and choose daily to live according to the Spirit. Daily I choose not to live according to the flesh. Daily I choose to live according to the Spirit. And if I'll choose to live according to the Spirit, then I will be victorious, praise God, because He was victorious. His victory counts to me. That's why I can say I all, he always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. So in other words, when I give my attention to what he did and to his victory, then I always come out victorious. I always triumph. Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Not because I never fail. I fail. I fail to meet the standard. I fail to, to demonstrate all that God has done for me. Because sometimes I get my attention off of Jesus and get it on me. And when stuff is going on in your life, when trouble comes in your life, when you lose a family member, when you lose a job, when you lose a spouse, when you lose a, a, uh, a house, 
You know, when you, when you lose stuff and, and, and it seems like everything's just breaking around you, get your attention back on Him. Praise God. Because when you will do that, then you begin to experience the no condemnation life. It's condemnation that eats you alive. It's condemnation that says you're not good enough. It's condemnation that says you didn't meet the standard, and that's why this is happening to you. Because you know, condemnation begins to eat you up, and you begin to even fail more. It doesn't, you know, you got to own it. No, Jesus owned it. Praise God. I own because he paid. That's been our, 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 our saying, you know. I don't have to own it. He owned it. He took it and he owned it. Praise God. And because he owned it, therefore I don't have to own it. Praise God. That's, that's why I can roll it over onto him and say, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I, Lord, I was going down that road, but thank you for, for reminding me, Holy Spirit. Thank you for reminding me of what Jesus did for me. Thank you for reminding me that you own it. I don't. Hallelujah. This is how you can live victorious. It's not, well, if, if God let this happen in my life, then God must not be true. You know, if, if, if God allowed this to happen, do you realize that the Bible says, and there, in fact, there in, in Romans 8, and I don't have time to preach this part of it today. We'll have to get back to this on another day. But this is why... You know, you can get to that place to where, uh, you know, when, when, when the trouble begins to come, when, when problems begin to come, um, you know, that, that you can say, he says, what do we say to these things? What do we say to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. If God be for me, who can be against me? Praise God. You see, he spared not his own son, but he freely delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? The Bible says this. It says that, that creation is groaning. Right there in Romans 8, this creation is groaning, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. So there are some things that have not yet been revealed to us and in us. You know, my revelation of Jesus is growing. And creation is waiting for me to figure out who I am. Praise God. Creation is waiting for you to figure out who you are. For the revealing of the sons of God. You're the son of God. Now, every religious spirit in the house. <gasps> <laughs> but that's what God said. 
He said that, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's what it said. So religious spirits just pipe down. Because you are a son of God. And it says that creation is groaning, waiting for you to figure it out. Who you are. Praise God. And it says that, you know, while Jesus did everything on the legal side of it, there is a place that we live in today when, you know, we've got flesh that is still in this world. We've got flesh that still has to deal with this world. This world is a messed up place. And we've got flesh that, you know, we, we have to walk in the flesh, but not according to the flesh. You see the difference? What I'm saying, you walk in the flesh because you can't function on this earth without a flesh and blood body. So you gotta, you got, you got, you have to live in a flesh and blood world, which is a fallen world, which is a messed up world. But there is another side of you that God created you to be on the inside, and you've got to get the knowledge of what God has done from the inside to the outside, and that is a process. And until you get all of the knowledge from the inside to the outside, you're still going to have to deal with some stuff. Praise God. Praise God. Creation's groaning, waiting for you to figure out who you are. For that revelation to come. And I've got to tell you, the more diligent you are, the faster revelation comes. The more attention you give to the things of the Spirit, the more rev- the faster revelation comes. You know, I, I find that that when I'm studying like I ought to study, revelation just pours. But when I'm not studying like I ought to study, then sometimes it's Sometimes it, 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 it seems like, uh, well, I'm just not hearing anything from God. But if I'll give my, this is why Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. A worker that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Praise God. Why? Because the more that I open God's word and the more he speaks to me off the pages of his word, then the more revelation begins to flow in my life and the, and, and the more I begin to assimilate that into everyday living. 
See, we're talking about things right where they are and right things like, you know. Uh, you know there, there are times when we preach the gospel of all that God has done for us in Christ, but sometimes people go away saying, well, how do I assimilate that? We assimilate it by making a decision. By making a decision. We assimilate it by choosing to believe it. Praise God. And faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Well, today, you know, I wouldn't be doing you right if I told you that when you accept Jesus, everything will be perfect from then on. Won't have any more problems. And you would, and you would call me a liar, and rightly so, because it just wouldn't be the truth. But the truth of the matter is, there is a higher place for you in God. There's a higher place for you to live. And the Apostle Paul said, I, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He says, I don't count myself to have already apprehended. This is Paul. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on toward the mark for the goal, for the mark of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Praise God. You live in a real world. You live in a world where you need Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, we quoted this a moment ago, who knew no sin became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God in him. So today, if you're watching me online or if you're present in the room today, if you've never received the remission of sins that Jesus has made available to you, if you've never been born again, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So all over this room and all around the world today, I would like for everyone who hears my voice today to say this with me. Maybe you have never prayed this prayer. Maybe you pray it every week. It doesn't matter. You can never confess Jesus as your Lord too many times. Praise God. But it says that if you do this, you will be saved. So say this with me. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. That he paid the penalty for all of my sins. And then he rose from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. I receive your 
gift of eternal life right now. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer according to God's word, if you meant what you said, if you didn't mean it, nothing happened. But if you meant what you said according to God's word, you are now saved. Praise God. And I'd like you to do something for me. If you're in the house, there's a card in the back of the seat in front of you. If you fill that out and there's a check box there to check, I chose Jesus. If you're online, go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com. There's a place on there you can click, I choose Jesus. There's a little short video there, and then there is a, um, an offer for an e-book called I Choose Jesus that is there to help you to begin to know Jesus. You begin to know how, where do you go from here. Praise God. So if you would do that, we would appreciate it. In the name of Jesus, I pray for those, I believe, all over this world that accepted Jesus as their Savior right now. And Father, I pray for them, Father, that, that you would begin to teach them to know Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 